Occult Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on Donate to help keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves. Hello, everybody. Uh, Today is a little bit different. Uh, Instead of your usual Rob hosting your normal Occult Confessions episodes, uh, today it will be me, Brie Literal, as I kind of introduce you to what I have been doing on the Patreon. Um, So I will give a little bit of a trigger warning before we start this episode. I will be talking about the death of a child, but it won't be anything graphic. I just want to put that out there for people. Also, um, religious mania, if that triggers anybody, that'll also be a heavy topic for this one. Um, I am here with Rob, of course. Hello. I am here to talk about these things that already make me sad. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm also here with Evangeline Olson. Hello. And potentially Savannah Verrett, if she wants to be here. Potentially. I'm here. Okay, I'm just checking. I didn't know. I'm just checking. In the flesh. I'm physically here. I didn't know if you were here. I, I could be at home playing Baldur's Gate right now, but I'm here, so I'm going to do this, okay? That's the spirit. Questioning your decisions, but yeah, all right. <laughs> Look, Rob was like, can you be here at four? And I was like, fine, I guess. And, and you're getting in 100 episodes in one day. Woo. <laughs> it's a marathon. All right, so Brie. Sorry, I'm here to I'm here to lighten the mood too because the mood just got really dark. What oh, is the, get so, so what is the specific topic we're on to today? So uh, for the main channel episode that we're doing here, as well as an additional Patreon episode, we will be specifically talking about what I've been calling murder in the name of Abraham, and by that I mean the story of Abraham and Isaac, where uh, God's like, "Hey, kill your kid for me." So we're doing two interconnected episodes. Correct, uh, yes. But they're separate stories, but related to Abraham. Yes, right? correct. Yeah. And various other religious ideations that were put forth in these cases. But th- that story specifically is a through line for both of them. Uh, and many other cases, fun fact, this is just two out of many that mm. people have decided to do this. And it's, from what I have seen, mostly men uh, who either Ooh, their own children biblical. or other children yeah so dude um Abraham. that's interesting because i f- i don't know why that surprises me but i feel like it does it's a man-based is... myth both abraham and isaac are dudes yeah but i guess i was just thinking with like um, this might be really dark too but like postpartum depression well, yeah, and stuff so like that oh. like, i was actually gonna bring that up mm-hmm. that you say that um a lot of the cases that you see of women murdering children a lot of the times it's related to postpartum but when it comes to men murdering their own children unless we're talking family annihilation and even in those cases a lot of it's got to do with the bible but specifically the story really shows up in a lot of those cases hmm. So this one we're giving to you, today's episode, and then if you want the second part of this conversation, you do need to become a patron for as little as $2 a month. You can listen to both sides of this dark, dark conversation. And this is the light episode. (laughs) Oh, good. There you go. So So if you you like it dark, Bree's murdered so many people over on the Patreon. So many. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's pledge it out. We, the members of the secret order of alchemical actors, do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it. All right, Bree, what's happening? All right, so today I will be telling you the very, very tragic tale of uh, a five-year-old girl named Phoebe Johnchuk. Now, um, Phoebe Johnchuk was born to Michelle Kerr and a John Johnchuk Jr., 
She was a bright, beautiful girl who loved princesses and drawing, but she also hated water and didn't know how to swim. Heartbreakingly, um, at only five years old, the water is exactly where her own father would leave her to die. And they weren't, did I notice they weren't married, the parents? Correct. Uh, and there's reasons for that. Okay. As the mother um, in interviews always refers to the father as Jacqueline Hyde. Mm. Oh, no. This man had custody of a child he shouldn't have custody of. And I'm going to rage about that at the end of this. Let's get into it. All right. So on the night of January 8th in 2015 in St. Petersburg, um, this is in Florida, uh, police Sergeant William Vickers was on his way home. This is around midnight uh, at the end of his shift. As he headed down I-275, a white peachy cruiser sped past him at over 100 miles per hour. He radioed it in as he began the pursuit of the vehicle, intending to pull it over. However, once uh, the vehicle approached the Dick Miser Bridge, I think is how you say that name. I've never <laughs> been to the Dick Miser Bridge in uh, St. Petersburg. It overlooks Tampa Bay. Okay. Uh, the cruiser pulled over uh, onto the shoulder. A large, disheveled man exited the driver's seat and headed towards the officer. The officer warned him to get back in the vehicle, but rather than listening, the man yelled back, you have no free will. As he pulled... This was a man driving a PT cruiser again. Yes, a white PT cruiser. A white PT cruiser. (laughs) Yes. That is the most suspicious vehicle I think I've ever heard of. They don't usually show up in these cases, which is interesting. <laughs> white PT Cruiser. Usually like a van or a pickup truck. White yeah. Ford Bronco, right? But not a white oh, PT yeah, Cruiser. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. So he, you don't have free will, is what he tells him. Yes, he yells this at the officer. Um, and as he says this, he goes to the back seat of his car and he pulls a child out from it. Mm. The man then carries the young girl. Uh, to the edge of the bridge and throws her <sighs> over the concrete wall. Oh while my the, God. While the police officer is watching. With his gun drawn. Oh my goodness. Because he assumed that this man was coming at him with a weapon. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, wow. The officer recalls hearing a scream and then a splash. The man then just turned away and drove off. What? He didn't like. Why? Try to stop the dude? No, the officer immediately was like, radioed in, I'm going into this water. Oh. I'm going to try to fair child. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, she wouldn't be found until about an hour and 45 minutes later uh-huh. by a search team, a college search team. Um, and we would later find out that she did not die on impact. She drowned. So she drifted up the... Yeah, she drifted about like 30 minutes up the, the Tampa Bay mm. bit that was underneath this bridge. Was mm. the bridge really tall? It was 62 feet. Oh. So, she fell and it was Tampa feet. Bay. Yes. Mm. Holy shit. Yeah. So we're going to go back in time a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So John, John Chuck Jr. had been troubled his entire life. Um, he didn't have the best upbringing. He was kind of thrown around a bit, house to house. You could say abusive household, but more so just neglected than abusive Um the mother of his child, like I had said, Michelle Kerr, uh, dubbed him like Jekyll and Hyde. And in the short period of time that they were together, uh, he would be arrested several times, at the very least seven that I could find, 
just for physical assault and battery on uh, his wife, his stepmother, and some dude that I didn't get much details about. Wait. Oh. Yes. Yeah. How did 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 the um and yeah, the mother have any custody over nope. her? Nope. He did. He had full Wait. custody. That's what, why? What was wrong with mom? Um, so it wasn't entirely clear. They both had struggles. It seemed that them together was very toxic off of everything that I read. So there were reports against her as well. Um, like she had gone to jail? No. Oh. <laughs> he was the only... Well, okay, that I saw. I could be wrong about that, but most of the arrests... She had been, there had been calls and reports against her that I saw, but not actually any arrests or uh, charges. He actually had charges brought on him. So she, he times. has a record. She does not. He has custody. She does not. Correct. Um, and they were married at one point? No, they were never married. Oh. Um, they got together, I think, when they were like late teens, early 20s, and then she got pregnant. Um Oh, and but you just said his wife or whatever. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I didn't mean to say that. I said wife because it's just, you instinctively he, he want to say partner, that. But. yeah. Oh, okay. So, hmm, so what was his deal? Like, why would he give gotten custody? That's a great question that I have yet to figure out. Was he connected with something? Was he in the military nope. or something? Nope. Mm, he also a had a history guy. of smoking crack. So did she at some point. They did it together oh. at some point. After she had, well, let me rephrase that. Go ahead. So... I'm not sure if she did, but she was aware of his, and it seemed like that he did it in her presence. Um, and this was specifically after she was diagnosed with MS, and I think that's part of the reason why she didn't get custody of the kid. Oh, it's because of her physical um, disability. MS, yes. Yeah. Um, after she had Phoebe is when she was diagnosed. What mm -hmm. is MS? Uh, multiple I can't multiple say sclerosis. Oh, okay. it's a degenerative disease. Degenerative disease, yeah. Of the spinal tissue Ooh. and fluid in the body. Ow. It is horrible and long and painful, and you can't cure it. It's mm. rough. You become fairly incapacitated. People can live a long time with yeah. it, but you become fairly incapacitated. Physically or very hindered that by still it. still doesn't explain why they just let the child <laughs> go with... Because him. there could be for an MS, a woman, a young woman diagnosed with MS, there could be yeah. quite a long time where she's still quite mobile. I mean, and at this point in time, when he was getting custody, okay, I say that, but I'm going to go on a whole angry rant about this later. But at the point in time that he had secured custody, he wasn't yet showing any signs of his deteriorating mental state, other than the fact that he was an abusive prick. And that he'd been to jail? Yes. Yeah. Okay, anyway, so. Um, oh, <laughs> okay, I say that, uh, the mental thing. Let me rephrase that, because he had been Baker acted three times in his life. Baker acting is when you are involuntarily committed uh, to a hospital for a number of things. It can be so many things. The other person that I'm going to talk about basically had the same thing happen to them, but his was for writing indecent letters. Your so, second case. Yeah. So in this case, we don't know why he was committed. I think it has a lot to do with the uh, charges put against him, one of which was uh, oh. forgery charges of checks against. So he forged checks um, from the mother of his child. But then maybe he acted out in front of the yeah. police and that yeah. caused him to be. So I think it was like the seven arrests. Um, not all brought charges, but some of them did. And I had it, it, the stepmother had said in one of the interviews that I, I was listening to that 
he had been Baker acted three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even the lawyer that was helping him get custody before she knew what was happening was even like, how is this man not being Baker acted right now? Yeah. Cause she tried to warn people the day before and they didn't listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be a continued theme in this is so many people warned the proper authorities, but they failed this five-year-old girl at every opportunity they could. Tell us the story. <sighs> Sorry. So despite all of these things he managed to get custody of his daughter Uh, and in the short five years that she lived she lived in about that i ones that i could specifically and actually um confirm 15 different homes with him because he couldn't hold down a job and was homeless for most of her life uh and the last home they were in i believe was his stepmother's um the father's stepmother's house Uh, And that's when his religious delusions really came into place. When he moved into his stepmother's home, I guess, I don't know why she had this, and I've seen pictures of this Bible. It is a century-old leather-bound Swedish Bible that I cannot figure out where it came from, but this stepmother had it. And this man became obsessed with it. Now, when he... It's in Swedish? Yes. Hmm. That's important because he... I'll get to it. Okay. But the the mental diagnoses that I had seen come up when he was Baker acted was that he confirmed was bipolar, um, which bipolar delusions, they do tend to lend towards a lot of religious ideation in a lot of cases. But that doesn't excuse what he did because this man was not found criminally insane. He knew what he was doing. I want to make that very clear. It was around Christmas of 2014. And that Christmas Eve, he had actually had dinner with Michelle, the wife, the, mer- the mother of his child. I keep wanting to say wife, Phoebe, and I think um, Michelle's new boyfriend. I saw that in some articles, and then in some it didn't mention him. And it was a fine dinner; everything was fine. But that Christmas, he became obsessed with this Bible, um, and he took it everywhere with him. He even like slept with it. Uh, he also became obsessed with people jumping off the skyline driveway which is where that bridge is that he threw his daughter from how so like people were just doing it often enough that like he he just just, followed it he just became obsessed with the phenomena of Mm. people specifically jumping whether it was just for funsies or for you know to commit suicide i i didn't really look much into that avenue because to me that obsession was not as important, but it did get brought up. And I don't know exactly what that means. Interesting. How tall tall is the Bay Bridge? Do you know? I don't, but it's tall. Yeah. It's a distance. I was just thinking about it because like, I mean, we live in Maryland and people commit suicide quite frequently off of the Bay Bridge. So I was just, I don't know. Well, with this bridge, I I questioned, I only say for funsies or for suicide. That's a weird sentence because... Mm -hmm. Phoebe herself did not die on impact from that 62 feet. She drowned. Mm -hmm. So, and that's a small child. So I don't know. Um, The water can be relatively forgiving. Right. It also can be the opposite depending on the height, but at 62 feet. Depending on how you land. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So. Oh. The Bay Bridge is... 354 feet. Wow. So at its at the highest. Yeah, at the highest. So in addition to this Bible obsession, he 
did manage to have a job at this point in time. Um, and his religious obsession and ideation was kind of seeping into this, but the people that he was working with didn't have any reference for the Bible, so they couldn't have known that what he was saying was potentially dangerous. Um, so he kept quoting uh, Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice of a lamb. Uh, he also specifically, I think this was on the last day that he had gone to work before this happened. Uh, I'm going to quote him here. He said, I've got to walk the pyramid. He proclaimed this to his co-workers. I just hope that when I get to the top, I don't have to do it. I hope I don't have to make that sacrifice. I hope someone stops me. Yeah. But of course, they didn't know what that meant. So for people like me who don't know the Bible very well, the Abraham and Isaac story mm -hmm. is the one where God is like, kill your son. The dude goes to kill his son, and then God stops him right before he does it? He does Yeah, it? he sends an angel. Uh, no, there's a... Um a goat, I believe, and it's stuck in some bushes, and he says that he sacrificed the yeah. goat instead. Yeah, There's a substitution. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But he does, he's literally like, ah, goat, not child. In some ways, it sets the precedent for the sacrifices that the Jews would perform as part of their religious rituals for a long time. Oh, okay. So this is going to lead us to the day before the murder occurred. Now, this day, as well as the day of, are the two most infuriating encounters with Florida's um, DCS, which is the Department of Child Services, as well as just the police in general. Um, because the day before, he's actually at the um, lawyer who was working with him about his custody stuff. Uh, her name is Genevieve Torres. And the day before this, he was fine, but then the day before the actual murder, he came in, and... So it's two days before the murder. He was fine. And in relation to this dinner that he had, is this the dinner is in front of us still? So this is in January. The dinner oh, okay. just so happened. okay, so the dinner has just so happened this at is Christmas right time. after Christmas, yeah. Okay, so now we're like a week in the future. Yeah. And we've just seen, and we're going to the lawyer. Yeah. Okay. So he brings his daughter to the office with him. She's just minding her business, coloring like she usually does. And he goes up to the lawyer and he goes, read this. And he's showing her this Bible that is in Swedish. And he goes, you're the creator. You can read any language. And she's, of course, freaked out. Um, and she's like, I'm alone up here. I can't do anything. And then John just keeps going on about wanting to be baptized. And in an hour, he had an appointment with a priest. Uh, and the more she tried to steer him back to what they were supposed to be talking about, he just kept getting angrier. So she just wanted to get him out. And then he makes a comment that kind of haunts her forever. Um, and he goes, don't worry about filing the paperwork. None of this is going to matter tomorrow. And that's about his custody. Mm. So he knows what he's going to do. 100%. Mm -hmm. Do you think he's planned it for a long time? before this i think he at least planned it the days prior i think around christmas is when it got into his head so you think the dinner was the last time he had it together i don't even know if he did then because he was unusually calm during that dinner mm. he didn't pick any fights it was a peaceful dinner and 
the the mother of of Phoebe, Michelle, she remembers thinking about it, like being like, oh, this is great. And then in hindsight, she's kind of like, it it just kind of haunted her a little bit. Um, So the lawyer then's like, I got to get him out of here. When she does that, um, she's like, I can call the police. Uh, I can I can have him be intercepted at the church he says he's going to. Cool. So she helps him pack away the Bible and stuff. And then John asks her, can Phoebe stay with you just while I go to the church? And she just kind of like, she didn't know what to do. She doesn't, the child doesn't really know her. Um, she didn't want to scare Phoebe. And she didn't want John to come back and then like, accuse her of kidnapping his child she's a lawyer she kind of knows that these things can happen and phoebe was still coloring she had a daughter her age phoebe didn't really want to leave she wanted to finish her drawing but the lawyer was like you have you have to take your daughter and and she wishes so desperately that she had kept phoebe with her there because she feels like she could have stopped this and i don't know that she could have in that instance it wasn't up to her to stop it but no but i do feel like that was sort of the wrong call yeah but she did immediately um call the cops and she's like this man's crazy he has a minor child with him dispatcher goes did he want to harm himself and she's like no he just kept saying that i was god and i don't know if he was on something or what and she just kept thinking and she said this to the officer she's like i should have kept the child she waited for them to call her back uh, to tell her that they had got John and he was Baker Acton, right? Baker acted. They called um, and they were like, can't do anything. He was fine. Uh, she was absolutely livid and upset. They also said that John was actually on his way back to the office to pay the filing fee. And she was like, why is he coming back? He didn't even file. He doesn't have to pay me anything. So she calls the DCS uh, hotline. Um, She's like, they will help, right? So this was like an 18-minute call. (laughs) And um, she just was like, he's delusional. He has a child with him. She explained the Bible to him, to her, the the dispatcher or the the woman on the phone. And and he also kept saying that Phoebe wasn't his child uh, in the office. And the counselor goes... Okay. Uh, Based on the information you provided, unfortunately, it doesn't rise to the level of Florida statutes for us to be able to accept the report at this time. And she's Mm -hmm. like... To accept the report. Yeah. So they can't... They're not doing anything. They didn't... Yep. They didn't even accept the report? Correct. So it's just like, delete... I just sat here and listened to you for 18 minutes. Goodbye. She goes, based on what you've told me, it sounds like they at least have some support next door with his parents. So, and and the lawyer was like, I just wanted to make sure you knew he's not in his right mind and he has a five-year-old. And the counselor just goes, right. Hmm. (sighs) Yep. So we continue to the day of. And once again, there are like 200 times that this man could have been stopped and wasn't. <laughs> so it's like around 11 a.m. Um, John brings Phoebe to um, this church. It's uh, a St. Paul Catholic church in Tampa. Uh, and he's like, I got to be baptized right now. I need you to exercise me. And they're like, 
He has to be baptized and exercised? Correct. Okay. Uh, Even I know you can't just walk into a church and say, exercise me. <laughs> and they were like... <laughs> Exorcism time. They were like, Where's nah. Edder and Lorraine Warren? Yeah, right. That's not going to help. <laughs> no. <laughs> <Or> worse. No. <laughs> um, but, and then for the next four hours, he would drag his daughter to two more churches with the same thing. Um, so nobody wants to give him his exorcism. Or his baptism. Well, they're Catholic churches. There's a whole process. Yeah, I was yep. like, you, you can't even just go to the doors and say, baptize me, because no. that's just not how it works. There are some Protestant churches that may, yeah, but, but definitely these are not Catholic. the Catholics. No. Um, so uh, the last church I believe that he went to... Um, a secretary there took Phoebe uh, to like they had like a like a preschool like a child's area I guess, while uh, John talked to the Reverend Reverend William Swin Swingroves. I don't know how to say this name. Swingroves. We're gonna go with that. It's, I don't know how to say it. Swingroves. Swingroves. Yeah, that's Swingros? good. Okay. Uh, John told the priest that he had to be baptized. He goes, "I am the Pope. Actually, I know that I'm not." He kept, there was a, a, a series of, a point in time in this where he kept saying, like, I found out that I'm related to the Pope, and I'm actually the Pope, and he's not. I, I, it was so convoluted that I really couldn't put it into this as much. But then much. he backtracked and said, I'm not the Pope, yes. I'm not related to the Pope. Yes. Yeah. He then said, I'm possessed, exercise me. And of course, they're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Especially um, not after saying all that. <laughs> so the priest was like, we can't do that, but here's a number you can call. <laughs> the exorcism hotline? Yep. <laughs> Is there an exorcism hotline? I don't know. But that's what he gave him? I guess. For the exorcism? He gave him forms, too. For an Forms? exorcism. You have to apply, I imagine. Oh, to yeah, be yeah. exercised? Oh, the well, Catholic yeah, Church to... is really hard on that right now. They need what? to make sure you're not mentally ill. Mm. No, they actually care about that. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. But also, I feel like, you know, if the devil was possessing me, he wouldn't wait for me to fill out some forms before He's making me do some to. terrible stuff. He's going to have to. I don't know. This is a flawed system here. We need to re revamp the exorcism forms. I think as a rule, and I, someone can correct me, but I believe that for the most part, possession, you do the most violence to yourself rather than others. Correct. I think so. So, so I just typed an exorcism hotline. Yes. And the first thing that pops up is uh, request an exorcism. To locate the app, search for Catholic exorcism. There's an app. There's what? an app for that. There's Our, an app. Gotta download this app, Savannah. Our RDOC of Washington? Archdiocese, man. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen that word before. So the before. Archdiocese of Washington will connect with you, you can via request, an app? You can rest, request an exorcism. Hold on, I'm clicking on it. I probably shouldn't, but I'm doing Boy, it. Boy, Francis is really with it. Procedures, putting Savannah procedures on for requesting an exorcism. Uh, they need to... Person seeking an exorcism from that place should follow the protocol below. For Catholics or non-Catholics residing in... <laughs> <laughs> that place of Washington, D.C., the first step is to request an appointment with his or her local parish. Mm-hmm. Um, for those residing outside of D.C., please contact your local Catholic, Catholic priest. If you do not reside in this, we are unable to... Uh, if you don't reside within the R- 
Archdiocese of Archdiocese DC. of DC of Washington, we are unable to assist you and you may not receive a response. So they will only exercise you if you happen to be in the the greater Washington area. <laughs> the priest well, will listen to the person's history, provide oh pastoral guidance and deliverance prayers after praying over the person if the priest considers it appropriate appropriate he or she is referred to the exorcism team of the archdiocese the person will be asked to fill out requisite forms as part of the screening (laughs) process the exorcism team will assess the situation and determine appropriate steps confidentiality is assured through the process parents seeking ministry for a son or daughter under the age of 18 may start making by making an appointment for their child with their local parish priests and above and the above outline is the same while the parents may desire ministry for children over 18 at that age, the son or daughter must initiate. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Wow. So, but it sounds like this guy got to the form phase stage. So there was a, there was a screening stage with the priest yeah, and the priest the said, yeah, you're, you're reasonably a candidate for exorcism. As he's saying, he's the Pope. Yeah. He's meant It doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? He, he's clearly not well. It's going to get worse. Okay. So... As he came out of this priest office, uh, two Hillsborough County Sheriff's deputies were waiting for him. Uh, ones that had been called, once again, by the lawyer to oh, the intercept lawyer, him. Not the priest. Correct. Okay. Um, one had been trained to evaluate people with mental illness. I repeat, one of these officers had been trained to evaluate people with mental illness. Okay. So they asked the priest, hey. Was John a danger to anybody, himself or anyone else? Priest is like, nah. And then... How would the priest know? I guess he evaluated him for an exorcism. I don't know. Well, yeah, he approved him. He got to the form stage. Yeah, I was about to say... Also, he might be a danger if he's going asking for an exorcism. Yeah. Like, that's that's kind of a given that something is not right. right. Regardless of... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Exorcism. Yes, it's like a cry yep. for help at that point. Something's yeah. off there. Uh, the police report concludes that he did not exhibit any signs of mental illness. The little girl appealed ha- appeared happy, wrote the deputy, and waved at me as she was leaving with her dad. I hope that haunts that man forever. Just saying. Yeah. It probably does. I hope so. It should. Uh, I'm so angry about. <laughs> I'm so angry about this case. Well, but is it not conceivable, Bree, uh, that he could? I mean, we know that this is true. That people can act right in the right circumstances. Like he could turn it off for the yeah. authorities. Yeah. Um, which it's interesting because it doesn't seem like this man did. Well, um, not with the priest. No, he was. Talking and most about of the, the Pope. he just didn't. I guess they were just like, yeah, this dude's weird. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. And it's like a lawyer, a child custody lawyer, called the police, DCS, multiple times, being like, I think this is I, something wrong is going to happen. He literally said he doesn't need to sign these papers anymore, and he's taking this five year old with him. Yeah, that's the most disturbing yeah. thing. The rest of it's just sort of like nonsense around that. The Pope and all that doesn't seem to be a direct threat. It's just bizarre. It's coming yeah. from somebody who also has experience. Like, it's not just some random person saying, hey, this guy is unsafe, like, and they need to take the child away. Like, it's somebody who's legit that can voice these concerns to the police and should be heard. Mm. Yep. So, we're going to go back to the night that it happened. 
So after he did all of that throughout the day is when at midnight he committed the act of throwing his daughter off of the bridge 62 feet to the ground or to the water. Was it at midnight? It was around midnight, yeah. Uh, around, yeah. Yeah. So um, it wasn't like, I mean, because that seemed like a moment the cop pulled him over and it seemed like he hadn't timed it, you know, in a ritual yeah. fashion. Her, um, they called her death at like 2.44 in the morning because um, they had found her like an hour and 45 minutes after. Um, so back to that night, he pulls away. The officer calls it in and then he's like, I'm going and looking for this kid immediately. Um, so the officer, um, as he's doing this, John is down the, the interstate and is then in pursuit by two other officers. Um, and in an attempt to U-turn back down this road, uh, they are able to cut him off and stop him. <sighs> so they pull him over and... They get him out of the car and he yawns and stretches and pulls his hoodie over his head. The deputies are searching his car. They see, you know, crumbled packets of Seneca menthol 100 cigarettes. If that says anything about the man. A half eaten piece of cherry cobbler. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Uh, of what? Uh, cherry cobbler. Oh, sorry. Uh, Dulce and Gabbana, light blue cologne. And then in the back, Phoebe's Christmas presents, as well as that, that he had bought for her. Yep, that are the ones that they had gotten from other people, and he just kept oh, them in the car. I see. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's completely delusional and believes that she's still there. Oh no. Okay. No. Um. Yeah. So, uh, in addition to this, on the passenger seat, they found that large antique Swedish Bible open. Uh. And then below, there's a regular Bible, and it's open to uh, the New Testament. Uh, ne- Nehemiah. <laughs> Nehemiah. Thank you. Uh, 9-11. Uh, you divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground, but you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. Oh. Yikes. Oh, no. That's... So it would come to find out that um, his stepmother knew this. Uh, he was in the belief that he was the uh, Archangel Michael Fallen and that um, his daughter, his five-year-old daughter with beautiful eyes, cutest smile, and just dirty blonde curly hair was possessed. (laughs) So the devil was pursuing him through the child. Yep. Mm. His daughter, who loved drawing specifically handout lines and... um, confessions of love to her loved ones yeah so there was no nothing well of course he's delusional so he's completely imagined it oh yeah Mm. yep um so did he want the exorcism for himself or for her then i think he kept saying it was for him he kept saying it was for him but he believes she's possessed yep he Hmm. all of this is very confused um (laughs) he so identity seems to be yeah. a real issue. Like, I'm the Pope. I'm not the Pope. I need an exorcism. She is possessed. Who is him and who isn't? Like, the boundary between himself and others yeah. seems to be blurry. Yeah. Um, so later in the, um, the police interview room, um, they're asking him normal questions. Um, 
like, you know, what they would do. And then he goes, is Phoebe okay? And at that point, they didn't know who he had thrown over. And they're like, who is Phoebe? And he's like, my daughter. And then that's when they were like, oh. And it was around that time that they um, had actually found her. Um, and her fall would have lasted about like two seconds. Um, and the autopsy did show that she had drowned. Um, the damage was so bad from the fall, but she just, the worst way that that girl could have died, the girl who couldn't swim, who was terrified of water, she drowned after her father threw her off a bridge. So it wasn't that he believed that she was okay. He knew what he had done, knew that it was dangerous, and was seeing if she had survived. I, I really do think he was kind of like, was my sacrifice complete? I see. I That's see. my thought on it, because he mm. didn't show any remorse for this. There's been interviews with him after the fact where he basically is like, I feel bad because she thought I was such a great dad and I was supposed to let nothing happen to her and I did let something happen to her. I think <laughs> it's one of the let. quotes. It's yeah, literally one of the quotes from him. But is the letting of something happen to her in his mind the possession? No, I, I don't know, actually. Mm. He doesn't no. clarify on that. You see what I that. mean? Yeah, I do. I don't, I don't think that the interviewer really was pursuing that line of thought because he was found criminally sane. And he was... He was found criminally sane. He was sane. He was not found criminally insane because he knew what he did. Every well, evidence showed true. the premeditation, showed that he knew what he did, and there was no remorse for what he had done. I do think he was in a delusional state when he did this, but I don't think it affected his cognitive ability to be able to tell that what he was doing was wrong. Because a Bible in a language he can't read has somehow informed him, I'm guessing, that his child is possessed. Yep. I mean, this is a not a... that makes... No rational person could come to this conclusion. Correct. Okay. But he knew he was killing his daughter. He knew he was sacrificing her. And he I knew know, she wasn't yeah. coming back from I that. see the premeditation, yeah. that's for mm -hmm. sure. So, I mean, criminal insanity would require that you don't understand the consequences of your actions. Mm. Yeah. Um, and even during his arrest, he referred to it as a conspiracy and said, quote, my name is God and you shall address me as such. I command you to take me to the city of Babylon now. And on arraignment, he asked for divine intervention. Where did this all come from? I mean, does, does... It literally seemed like it came somewhere around Christmas of the 2014. And she died by January 2015. Because he was not a member of any religious organization. He had not been radicalized by anyone on the internet or anything. Not that I could tell. Uh, the only, like, religious anything would have been, like, his family. But it didn't seem like, at that point in his life was any significant part of his life. He invented his own religious ideas out of a Swedish Bible. Yeah, a centuries-old Swedish Bible that his mother had for some reason. I still don't read. know where this Bible came from. But he also had got an English Bible, so he... Yeah. Uh, it's confusing, I suppose. It, but, but it also happened himself. so fast. Yeah. Yep. Mm. This is... Yeah, it's really is weird. It like an excuse? for That's what I was just thinking. thinking. That he was already planning on doing and he found that and it pushed him i don't know because and this is the case out of the two that i don't think it was an excuse for him i think it was an exact reason for him but i think it made sense to him and it was right to him and i don't think there was any it was pretty black and white to him that he had to he, he always, he kept saying he had to kill her so that everybody else would live. 
because it was basically like he was making her the Antichrist in some way, shape, or form uh, when this little girl did nothing but love him all of her life. But was the only person close to him, possibly, or no? What do you mean? Well, like, he he was not in a relationship with his partner. No, the daughter was the closest person he had to him other than his stepmother. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that, I mean, getting back to whatever I'm thinking about his identity and, and that sort of thing. Is a maybe a martyr complex there? I mean, a god complex for sure. But. Maybe there's also some um, thought on the idea that his stepmother. So they were living with her uh, at the time that this happened. Was treating Phoebe better than she t- treated him as a child because she was trying to make up. She literally said she's like, I was trying to give her the childhood that I failed to give my son. Mm. Um, and there was some thought that maybe he felt resentment towards that, but. It really doesn't show up in any of the evidences that that was the case. That was just conjecture that people were trying to rationalize for being the reason behind this. But so this, so get us to Abraham here. <laughs> so. Yeah. So um, his entire, I think that was the start of his fix. Was the story of Abraham and Isaac. I think it had to be. I think that's where it started. Because if you look at all of the delusions and the thoughts that came after. So say we start with Abraham and Isaac. Mm-hmm. He is a father with a child who he can't care for. Um, but he still manages to keep custody of her. And for some reason around Christmas, this triggers. We're not talking about Abraham. Yeah, Sorry. I thought you, yeah, I was about to say, wait, Abraham can't take care of no, his son? Abraham was, he was fine, good. other than actually willing to kill he his child. He was married and everything. But, he was good. He was set mm-hmm. up. So around Christmas, he gets this Bible, the Swedish Bible, that I'm sure he became fascinated with, which then drove him to actually read an actual Bible that he could understand and then correlate the two. I think the, the, the Swedish Bible was a prop for him, more so than anything, because he couldn't read it, um, unless he thought he could. But he clearly asked other people to read it for him, so I don't know. But he then delved into the Bible, found the story of Abraham and Isaac, and I think latched onto that, uh, and then kind of spiraled from there. So if you take the themes from that story, father killing son for God, right? Uh, an angel stopping that, a sacrifice still of something to replace that. Um, was there a means to an end for that other than showing his faith to God? I don't remember. No, that was the point. So that's where that differs, because for him, there was a means to an end. And I think that came later down the line with his obsession. So if we take those first four themes, he was a father with a child that he was willing to kill. Um, And then I guess he, for some reason, also embodied, decided that he embodied the angel that came because he kept saying that about himself, Um, which then gives him the right to stop it or not, which he then chooses not to. Uh, And the sacrifice still happens with the original object of the sacrifice instead of something else. And then we get into all of the other random shit that doesn't make sense, if we relate it to that. I don't know, because it's such a short time span that I don't know where exactly he spiraled from that point forward. 
correct. So there's a moment where he reads Abraham and Isaac, you're saying? I think there has to be. Yeah. To me, I'm not a religious person. Um, rel- I mean, like, religion in a classical yeah. sense. But to me, this sounds like he was just mentally ill in general and didn't want to be a dad anymore and then found this thing that ended up being a solution for him and then he became obsessed with it. But may or may not have been consciously aware. Yeah. Yes. I think that's exactly it. I think he not consciously aware that that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And I think because he wasn't consciously aware with that, tied into the delusional behavior that can come with manic episodes of bipolar that he did exhibit. Because mm-hmm. it happened spiraled. way too fast. I don't think... Nobody decides to kill their child that fast. I genuinely think he didn't want to be a dad anymore, didn't think he could take care of his kid anymore, and then he latched onto that story and it became a solution. An odd one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a terrible one. Yeah, but. and I think you're right. Like, I don't think he was... He obviously wasn't in his right mind and stuff. It does sound like yeah. it It was like a bipolar episode almost. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not give him her to the grandmother or any of these things? Right. That was even something that was brought up. And, uh, and I think that then devolved into the concept that, well, she's possessed. Mm-hmm. She has to die so that everybody else can live. Because if she lives, we all die. Was something that she he kept saying in so many words. Yeah, there's a grandeur to the whole thing. To help you justify it. And, and yeah. even yeah. at his trial, when the judge was asking him, like, do you want a lawyer appointed to you? He's like, I want to leave it in the hands of God. And I think the judge even said something, well... God's not going to prove your case for you. And he was like, well, then find me somebody just and good. And he was like, uh, I'll do the best. And he just kept insisting that he didn't want to re- be represented by a lawyer. Mm-hmm. He wanted God to represent him. Yes. And like, I, I listened to the audio of this and I've never heard somebody, I believe that he believed that God would represent him in this trial because he was so convinced. And he did not waver. There was no wavering in his voice. There was no thought about what he was saying. He was just talking. So if the yeah. religious mania was suddenly onset, it didn't. It then lingered ever afterwards. Yeah, and, and even, I think, I kind of ignored a lot of the present-day interviews because I didn't think he deserved them. Because um, he, he was um, found guilty of first-degree murder in, in 2019. Sure, yeah, that's um, good. So there's a little bit of the system working. Yeah, he was sentenced to life, yeah. uh, and I don't believe he'll have the possibility of parole, as far as I'm aware. Um, yeah, but somebody, you're right, should have taken that child away. Oh yeah. Oh, I have reports. I have statistics of how screwed up and messed up. I was I'm just. I'm so angry about this. The you, system was. Do you think that he continued to latch on to this um, religious? like delusion thing because it was the only way his brain could rationalize like what he did to his daughter where he was like I can't back down on it now because like then I have to admit that I killed my daughter I said I don't think he really cared I mean it's very obvious that he didn't care what happened to her so I don't think he would need to rationalize it because that's what he wanted to do after the fact he was kind of making sure she was dead yeah okay yeah I guess I was just thinking like if his brain ever had a moment of clarity where he was like, oh, shit, I did that to my daughter, it would wrap itself back around being like, no, 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 I did the right thing and continue to believe these religious claims. It's a large act. I mean, it it does seem to shift. I mean, if this is, you know, how it worked out, that one day he's all in on this religious mania, makes a big choice that he can't go back on, and then he's all in forever afterwards Mm -hmm. on the mythology he's developed for himself. Yes. I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting at because it's just like it changes so, like, 
people normally don't fall into religion that quickly, right? Well, that's one of the. Be surprised. Um, I mean, I certainly. Yeah. I, oh, I have so many stories. Oh, Savannah, <laughs> you yeah. should have seen the other choice I gave Rob instead of this. Um, it's it's religion is such a dangerous, dangerous thing that we have indulged in as humans. Um, it, it's so bad. It does. In everything that I have seen, it does so much more bad than it has done good. And I'm saying organized religion in general, not like specific religions, but just the organization of it is so problematic today. That's and true. It has been. I was just um, watching that Twin Flames documentary oh. last night. <laughs> well, I mean, and in fairness, we're looking. I mean, when you think about these cults and all this sort of business, it's it's organized, yes, but it's organized by an individual mm-hmm. who has taken the latitude to extrapolate on the doctrine in ways that are. I mean, it's a uniquely Protestant phenomenon, really. Like we can blame Martin Luther at the core that there's no. You don't have to check with the priest. And we yeah. celebrate that on this podcast, the pluralism and all yeah, that sort of yeah. thing. But it can result in you being your own God, ultimately, which allows you to make choices regardless of the consequences. Yep. Yeah. If you're mentally ill. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've met people who have claimed religion really quickly, and they go headfirst. And they are some of the most terrifying people to be around because they think they know everything. It's a reasoning behind being able to be like, I know more than you do. Yeah, It's a way to have control over people. It's mm. something that's easy to latch onto so you can control other people. Oh, yeah. I would put to you, Brie, that if we did not have religion to do this, we would find something else to oh, do. 100%. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'm just saying it's... it's I think more unfortunate that it is religion because it's such a strong thing that for forever, our entire existence in some way, shape or form has driven us to goals and and, and to achieve things. And Mm -hmm. it's such a strong thing to pull with like this Mm -hmm. that makes it, I think, so much more dangerous. Because it's just, it's so easy to abuse and to abuse people who really do believe it and really do want the purest things out of it. Mm. I mean, that's getting back to the occult confessions doctrine. So (laughs) we have one. It's the idea that God is a mystery and God is not a knowable quantity. And when you claim that you know the will of God, that is when you get into difficult territory. And you don't accept any, like... the, The people who are like this, they don't accept anything that is like unbiased or biased i can't remember the right term but like they don't they don't look through it and find flaws they look through it and they're like this is fact Mm. Mm -hmm. all of this is fact so they take everything literally and that's where things can get dangerous sure yeah bring us on home brie i know you i know you're trying to get to this (laughs) brie's take on this all right so Every single institution designed to protect and help children, like Phoebe Johnshock, failed her time and time again. DCF failed her in every way conceivable. For her five short years of life, there were numerous call-ins and reports that told accounts of abuse and threats to her safety. All of them were ignored up until and including the days that she was murdered by her father, who these reports were about. Um, The days before, there was at least two reports. uh, And... The ones that I could find accounts of, there had been at least seven different times somebody had called about Phoebe in her life. So, 
and the frequency of those reports created a, you know, the, the boy who cried wolf bias, and that's what the department concluded it was. Um, they dismissed this just as custody squabbles, and it cost a girl her life. Over the past five years, um, 215 children in Florida have been killed by inflicted trauma, beating, shaking, intentional drowning. One-fourth of them were kids that DCF, I keep saying DCF, but I don't know if it's DCF or DCS, but either one, they knew about it, just like Phoebe. And almost half of those kids had a parent who had reported them, uh, had been reported to them, like her father did. So this case actually called an overhaul. It caused an overhaul in uh, specifically Florida's uh, Department of Child Services um, to change their questionnaire that they ask when they get these calls. So I don't really think it did much. <laughs> because if we look at Florida, just look at Florida. There's more forms to fill out. It's, it's literally form. yeah. They added the exorcism question. <laughs> the state, man, the state. It's so bad. The it's very bad. in the past, what is it? Twenty twenty three almost twenty twenty four. In the past, like five years, the amount of cases I personally have looked at about children being murdered by their caregivers or the people around them and the systems failing them in some way or another are astounding, and they just keep increasing. More children are dying by murder by somebody that's supposed to love and care for them now than they ever have been mm -hmm. and it gets more brutal every time like the details of these cases are so horrific that i'm a very strong stomach person but they have brought me to tears like it is just horrific what is happening and what is not being done about it and how every institution is failing <sighs> the family first and foremost and it should not be that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you fall back on the state because there's no family structure to rein this in or, yeah. or to settle it. I mean, the man is sort of floating free. He's got very few relations to check him and check his situation. I don't know. I don't want to get conservative about it, but the, fam the failure of the family is the first failure yeah. and then the state fails yeah. next so it's, it's everyone it's the left and right failing right? every single yeah. part of this structure just falls through because yeah. they're all just corrupted in some way shape or form because sometimes kids will get put with different parts of the family and sometimes the entire family is just tainted by gross <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and then say they get put in the system they get put with other families that some of the cases I've seen, they had perfectly fine parents, but they just couldn't take care of the kids. So they got put into the foster care system and their foster parents killed them. Mm. And it's like, and I'm talking kids under the age of six usually. Yeah. It's mostly between infancy and six years old. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's sad to think about like these people, all they had to do was check. Yeah. They had, like, they all they could have done was a checkup. Without warning, they could have even done one with a warning. They could have checked up on this child and, and him and the state of him. And but the they ones, couldn't even do that. Yeah, and the ones who did didn't care enough to actually really do anything about it. The, the trained mental health aware, whatever, the person who was trained in evaluation of that, it was like, nah. 
I don't know if they become desensitized or what it is. It seems strange. I also don't know if maybe there was a bias as an officer approaching a church with somebody spouting religious nonsense to not say that that is mental illness because they don't want Mm. to infringe on your beliefs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that might have been part of it. I'm being really hard on everybody here, but there are, I can understand as an officer being in that situation where it's like, we're literally in a church and I don't know if yeah. this is your actual beliefs or if this is something I should be concerned about because mm. I'm trained in mental illness, but maybe not in The only thing I, against that though was that he wasn't a part of the church. He just showed up. But the priest didn't, the priest vouched for him. The That's priest crazy. failed. The priest, the priest, the priest failed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's very odd that the priest even put him... Anyway, yeah. <laughs> caught him to form stage. Um, to conclude this conversation, um, make sure people are okay around you. <laughs> Check on everybody. Just say, hi, how's it going? Have you been really following somebody lately that you just found? Or... Do you have a kid that maybe somebody should be checking on more? The, um, in one of the interviews that I listened to with uh, Michelle Kerr, Phoebe's mother, um, I'm gonna leave this with her words. She, she said, I always called Phoebe my angel child and now she really is.